This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you from the virtual joint. We haven't been here for a while, actually, so we thought we'd come back here and hang out. And uh, post-Christmas, because it's been a little bit hectic, Christmas, the new year, the new cheer. So we thought the virtual joint is quite a relaxed little zone. So we're sitting here with my chums. My name's Billy Grant, and I've still got a smile on my face after the weekend. Stoke City came down to Griffin Park. They weren't quite able to handle the mighty, mighty bees as we absolutely tore them to pieces very 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 good result that was but listen i'm not going to go on about it because we're going to sit around and we're going to chat about what happened last weekend what's going to go on this weekend and also there's a bit of activity around griffin park which may be good it may be not so good like i said my name is billy grant and i'm sitting around here in the virtual joint with i'm then david lane laney how you doing I'm very good, thank you, Bill. Yeah, um, I've still got my my cough like the whole of the world has got. Um, I'm that. I'm, I'm 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 a bit perky. So yeah, Brentford are Brentford are back, and I'm and I've got my train tickets booked for Rotherham on yeah. Saturday, and yeah. nothing puts a smile on my face than a trip to Rotherham. Uh, it was a little bit of a late call that actually. I think we booked it. Was it about 24 hours ago? I mean, not, not that we're fickle or anything like that, but a good old result against Stoke. We thought. Mm, Let's go to Rotherham. Oh, okay, let's do. Let's go and do it. So, but anyway, we've also got the man with the combine harvester in the house, Liberal Nick. It's always good to have him on board um, with the old straw between his teeth and all that. Liberal Nick, how you doing? Wow, good morning. Yeah, hey, how you doing, Bill? I'm fine. I'm absolutely good. Good. You ought to come down here, lady. Get the fresh air in your lungs. That's what you need. None of that London filling up your filling up your sinuses. Get no, the thanks. get the no. debonair. No thanks. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, I, I want to put it here on record that I will not be going to Rotherham. I did have a sneaky look, uh, but it would take me six and a half hours to get there uh, on my train on Saturday. And then I wouldn't get back. I couldn't come back Saturday night. I wouldn't get back home till midday Sunday. So I won't be going to Rotherham. Put it there. But, you know, I'm not. So that makes me disloyal. Makes me disloyal. Oh, loyal. Oh, loyal. Listen, we've got the man in the house, the water man. Grev, a water man. How are you doing, Grev? Hi, I'm fine. Welcome, everybody. Pleased to be here. And it's it's really nice not to have to schlep all the way out on a cold, dirty, rainy night and just to be sitting here in my front room with some chicken soup and canadlach, for those of you who know what canadlach are, and looking at my good friends on Skype, who I managed to get working after about uh, three hours of uh, effort. So, no, it's good to be here. Chicken soup. What's going yeah. on? Yeah. Well, it's just a nice dry, yeah. dry January. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, listen. Do something as well. And 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 me. It's like I said to you. I I was actually very happy yesterday. I went to see a, a match yesterday, which we might talk about a little bit later. But it's probably the first time since I used to live 
well, only down the road from Brentford when I lived in Isleworth. When I used to walk down to Griffin Park, I actually walked to a football game the other day. I walked down to Wingate and Finchley to go and see the B team play. B team play uh, Wingate in the London Cup or the London FA Cup or something like that, I think it was. So it's quite good. Senior Cup. Yeah, London Senior Cup. And uh, yeah, quite a few bees down there. Good to have a little chat. Actually, a nice little relaxing little, uh, little, little evening as well. It wasn't bad, actually, was it? Was it, Gribble? Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. And like you, I mean, I did drive, but it's about, it's about a mile and a half from home. And I go and watch Wingate and Finchley quite a bit, actually. And um, when Brentford are away and it's places too far up north for me anymore. And it was a really good game. They're a, and they're a lovely club, very friendly club, good facilities, lovely pitch. And it was a fantastic game of football. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said to you, it was a bit, bit, sort of bit, not blood and thunder, but it, you, you could see Brentford B team really had their work cut out because uh, Wingate and Finchley were definitely taking that game seriously, weren't they? Well, they had half their first team out. In fact, they had about seven first team out. And I was talking to their chairman before the game, and he, he apparently had just fired their manager. Uh, after they conceded about 15 goals in the last three games and he was very worried about them but they were really taking it seriously and it's exactly what the, the boys needed you know a tough game against men who were putting their foot in really exciting tough hard game and actually the B team have now won three games in a week they beat Bayern Munich as we know they won at Wheelstone in the Middlesex Senior Cup and I saw about six or seven players out there last night who I think have a really, really good chance of making it in the first team in the next two or three years. Brilliant stuff. So listen, we'll come back to that in a little bit when we yeah. start talking about the future and Brentford and transfers and all that stuff. But let's go back. Let's kind of hark our minds back to the weekend again. Um, if you listen to the radio show that we do, we do Love Sport Radio every Monday night, 9 till 10 o'clock on Love Sport Radio. That podcast has gone up. It's on prideofwest.london. You can listen to the whole of it. It's all good. We talk about all sorts of stuff on there as well. And including the, the Stoke match, we talked about the Stoke match a lot. And we talked about the transfers a little bit as well. So you can hark back to that. But we're still going to, because it was such a fantastic moment, going to hark back to that Stoke match again on Saturday. Then we're going to come back after this twang and we'll have a little bit of a chat about... Stoke City. Fantastic. That was a really brilliant, brilliant performance. Every single player on that pitch played brilliantly. Uh, That kind of desire was there. The pace was there. The tempo was there. This is our Brentford back. It's absolutely superb. Uh, Camo and uh, Sawyers together are the dream team in midfield. They made everything work. Absolutely brilliant. The pair of them can't fold them at all. Uh, big up to Watkins as well his desire was much much better than last time really really superb performance not everything came off for him but his desire was there his, everything about it his way we know he, he can play was there again today fantastic performance our second and third goal watch him back they were beautiful 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 goals mate that was superb Billy that was really really good one of the best games I've seen here for a long time I thought Frank got the team spot on I thought we got the sub spot on so you know, all the criticism a few people have had in the last couple of weeks for him. You know, respect to Bentley and Dowskar today have also come in a bit of flat because I thought Bentley's distribution was excellent at the start. Dowskar was solid, gave us that bit of height. And for Sawyer's not the man of a match in a game where he was a genius is amazing. But Makocho today was absolutely out of this world. I thought he was stunning. Um, you know, absolutely the player that we thought we, that we wanted and needed. And that was a quality performance. I'm, I'm buzzing. Utterly brilliant today. Our best performance of the season. I actually think we were better today than we were against Rotherham first game of the season. 
We had two men in midfield against three men for Stoke. They had Klukas, they had Woods, they had Allen. Camo and Romain absolutely bossed it. And we bossed it all over the pitch. Never in doubt today, we were brilliant. Rico Henry's goal. Sublime. I was in tears, man, seeing that goal go in. And he deserved it. What, what, had a great game. Excited. We're turning that corner. There's all the negativity before Christmas. Thomas is turning this, this team into the team that we recognise as a good football inside. I thought the best team won. I thought we, we don't look fit. We don't look confident. I think we came up against the side that wanted it more. We were a bit unfortunate with the first goal. But we we seem... I don't want to compare us to Sunderland. We're not as bad as Sunderland, but there is a mentality around the club at the moment that is so we're so lacking confidence the fans the players as soon as we go a goal down it feels like that's it game over that's that's it we're just second best there is that mentality and i think what's interesting is you speak to stoke fans and they say we know we know that we can't expect to beat teams like Brentford, teams like preston but then we still get caught in this trap of thinking that we should still be even though we will tell we'll say out loud no, we know that the championship's a tough division. I still think there is an underlying feeling that we should be doing better. You know, people say, oh, Nathan Jones coming here, uh, new manager effect, blah, blah, blah. But do you know what? He's got a lot of work to do with those guys. Never mind that, though. We played a blinder today, you know? Their goal, Billy, their goal flatters them, mate. Their goal flatters them because we played so well. It was the only shot they had, was it? Oh, yeah, about that. Yeah, so we, yeah, we did have 3 4 5 nil today. Absolutely brilliant. But do you know what? I'm going to say to you again Rico Henry's goal. Billy, Chris Ball from our both is a happy man tonight. It was beautiful. Loved every second. Thank you. So Brentford 3, Stoke City 1. Really, really good result. You could hear how everyone was enthusing about how good we were that game. Like I said to you, we talked about it on the, on the podcast, on the radio show on Monday, Pride of West. London. check that out. But we're just going to have to have a little bit of a recap because we think, each of us, there's one thing that, we, that really stands out for us for that game. So I'm just going to go around the table here and just ask all you guys what one thing stood out for you from that Stoke City match. Greville. Well, we'd, we'd uh, changed to 3-4-3, and that was really the last throw of the dice by Thomas Frank, in my view, to turn things around and probably save his job. And we'd got very tight, lean and mean at the back, and that's very un-Brentford. But we played Brentford football as well. We played with, with gusto and brio and tempo, and we looked dangerous. We created chances. The confidence was back. We scored three, could have had seven, but we never gave them a chance hardly in the whole game. And to me, it's a winning comb- it's a winning combination. Three four three is there to stay. Um, f- for me, yeah, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what Greville said, and it's kind of it's, it's almost like um, a continuation from that. It's you know, obviously, we have been leaking goals for fun um, up until fairly recently, and it's kind of you know my um, my trust in the back back you know four and the goalkeeper has is, is, is kind of been brought into question. But it was probably after the game. I was I was thinking I'm actually pleased that we conceded a goal. We weren't we weren't sort of distracted from the game plan, and, and it didn't overly affect our confidence. You know, um, in, there all all the evidence could have suggested that you know that was a good time for Stoke to have got back in the game and turned the game around really because they they had all the ingredients to to do a job on us if they you know individually all played to their potential, but. 
but what but what the what conceding a goal did, it didn't affect us really. It, you know, we for a couple of minutes after that, I think we kind of regrouped a bit, but you know, we just carried on where we where we left off before. And, um, you know, that was it was great to see. Uh, that's a look. That's a little bit like Brentford of old as well, because you know, back in the day, even if we went behind, we actually never used to panic because we always used to think that we're going to score and we're actually probably going to get a bit of result. I remember that there was, no, there was always hundred percent confidence in in, a, in a how we'd actually get on. Do you think so? Yeah, we. I mean, it goes. It harks back to. I mean, quite a long way. I remember that kind of um, that mindset with you know, with Bill Dodging. But you know, the one the one the one manager. That I really do remember that it was the early early part of Dave Webb's era when we had you know the, um, Foster and Taylor and Asaba and and Ben and you know we really did have some proper attacking options and we we have got that now um, you know but we didn't have the you know we didn't have a great defence it was an all right defence um, so we would leak goals but it was like you know we'll you'll score two we'll score five kind of mentality and. I don't. I don't dislike that. I think that's you know that playing with that kind of swagger where you're confident that you can hurt a team more than they can hurt you. You know, you're always going to concede goals. It's football. You know, you're never going to be watertight at the back. It's part of the game. Making mistakes is part of the game. But you know, um, it's just being able, being confident that you can get the ball wide. You can cut balls back to your your forwards, and your forwards can can score. And you know, it and it was nice also to see that Morpay didn't get on the score sheet yet. We scored three goals. Yeah, I mean, I think the one person that we haven't spoken about on the podcast, or I haven't heard spoken about on the podcast, I mentioned it on the radio show a couple of weeks ago, was Kevin O'Connor. Having Ke- King Kev back uh, play, uh, playing uh, as uh, the supporting our defence, quite clearly, since he's taken up position, well, it was just before the whole game, wasn't it? Um, we've given away one goal, two goals. I haven't got the stats in front of me Three. in that time. Three, is it? Thank you. Um, and he has obviously also instilled a bit of confidence into that defence and confidence into the whole team, I think. And that may be, you know, you take a look at Thomas Frank and it's really interesting whether in his Frank moving up into the manager's position or sorry, head coach's position, he previously he was possibly the arm around the shoulder of a few players was listened to. What we... So that was what was missing before Kevin O'Connor came in. So you say it's missing. So you're saying that Kevin, I mean, so what are you saying about Kevin O'Connor? I'm saying that he's actually brought back a bit of a bit of spirit into the team. Yeah. Uh, the players are probably happier. I think the uh, dressing room is probably a nicer place to be at the, at the moment. Um, it always is when you're winning or um, and playing well. But I reckon Kevin O'Connor has probably brought a bit of experience. He knows he knows a lot of the players because he'll have worked with them in the B team as well. So uh, you know, a very good appointment, and I don't think we should underestimate and underrate that Kevin's appointment. Uh, and he knows. Brentford inside out and he's been there seen it done it got all the t-shirts and I'm not saying the other two aren't respected because I think they are you know and Rima is also playing his, playing his part at the moment but Kevin to me has the total respect of everyone at the club and I think it's helped having him in that dressing room I'd agree with you and uh, you know yeah and, and look as you say he's been, he's been there he's seen it as he's done it Kev O'Connor, and like I said, and we, okay, we've mentioned this many times before. It's uh, he was meant to be in that job two or th- three years ago when um, when Dykhausen got the job, and he was meant to be the number two then. And maybe actually, it's actually done him the world of good. Maybe not getting that job at the time, 
but actually spending a bit of time and looking after the B team because he's obviously learnt a lot in that time about actually kind of hands-on management of players, you know, game management, you know, all that stuff which he's actually able to bring to the uh, to the first team as well as well as his own experience as well. So, uh, and for me, I'm just thinking what has been brilliant from that game was Cameron Mococcio. Um Sawyer's was great. And we're going to talk about Sawyer's a little bit later in a separate section. But I think Mococcio was brilliant. And the reason why he was brilliant is that we've got this, we've had this midfield conundrum where we've had, you know, McEachern at the beginning and McEachern played really well in a couple of matches. Then it all went a little bit kind of, a bit left, it didn't go quite according to plan. And we're trying to find that midfield combination that would work. And uh, when Cameron Mococcio played against Leeds, he played really well. And then he went off injured. And then we had a really bad run that carried on. And uh, I know the club was kept on saying, you know, Cameron Mococcio's out. He's a key player. And you didn't really know if it was just an excuse. Because you've seen him play and he's had some good games, but you didn't know it was an excuse. But when you saw that game today, you think if he plays like this, every single game, then we're going to be on our A game. I mean, I know everybody played really well, but he was in that position where he was, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he was everywhere, you know. He was winning things. He was passing the ball. You know, he was absolutely fantastic. And I'm just sort of thinking, you know, I was looking at myself thinking, he can't play like that every week. He, he, you know, he can't, there's no way he can play like that every week. But he was, he was fantastic, Rev. But he's always been a bit pop. He's always been seen a little bit I think, maybe even himself, as being behind Ryan Woods, behind Josh McEachern. Maybe the pen is dropped, and maybe the pen is dropped just with the coaching staff as well, that this guy is as good, if not better, than the other two. And he is gonna, he's been told he's the man, you know, and that gives him confidence. Um, I can't believe how mobile he and Sawyers were, how committed they were, how skillful they were, how they kept going for 95 minutes as well, when they were totally outnumbered in midfield as well. It was... Phenomenal performance by the two of them. It's probably the best midfield performance I've ever seen from a Brentford player. Certainly in living, you know, my in my recent memory. Yeah, I've all, I've, I've really liked Mokocha every time I've seen him. Um, you know, I think we unfortunately, you're right. He's not really had um, the opportunity to bolt down, you know, a, a permanent place in that starting eleven. Um, and we we've seemed to have looked elsewhere first. But if, if we can if we can carry on with that that duo and they can be as effective in the coming weeks, and you know, we've got we stand a real good chance of kind of kind of getting you know reeling in some of that some of that lost ground that we've um we've, we've sort of slipped slipped behind in the last sort of month or so or the last two months you know we can get back into the top half of the table and get 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 really where we should be and then start start seeing you know how we can you know start setting some targets for may I just want to raise what it was that people think Mococcio brought in, because just looking at the stats, we had 16 shots on target compared with Stokes too. I mean, Stoke were Stoke were poor on Saturday, and uh, quite clearly Nathan Jones has got a big job to do there, sort that team out. But what was it that Mococcio did that made us, you know, look that much more effective in the in the attack? Um, because Watkins as well played the best game that he's played for a while. He, he really. You know, I've been quite critical of Watkins in recent weeks, indeed months. Um, but on Saturday, he looked a rejuvenated player as well. Um, and was that was that Mococcio and Sawyer's work linking well with him? I don't I know. It was. I think it was because the two of them, you know, all right, Josh McEachern is Marmite. You know, some people think he's a misunderstood genius. Others think totally the opposite. But the one thing he had, he doesn't have 
is uh, mobility and, st and also stamina. And he conks out after the hour and he doesn't get forward. He doesn't make, he doesn't have the movement. And these two were dynamos for 95 minutes. And if, and also they rotated for when, when Makocho went upfield, Sawyer's held back and vice versa. It was just a fantastic partnership. Yeah, they seem to they certainly seem to be on the same wavelength. Yeah. And, you know, from, from I thought Makocho's reading of the game, his anticipation, his interceptions were, were, were brilliant. Um, no one gave up on any ball, um, and it was that no one was like walking, waltzing through the centre of the, the midfield like we have seen because someone was too frightened to put a tackle in. Both of those guys, as, as Greville said, they put 95 minutes of full tail energy into into making sure that Stoke couldn't really get a toehold into that game. I think there's one other thing that we need to mention. Um, you know, we went to three four three because we were leaking goals like a sieve. And also that we had new centre half, you know, we had John Vieira to come in. We had good centre halves. But the, what this system has also done, it's been made to measure for the wing backs. And when you talk about Odebajo or Dalsgaard, and you know, Dalsgaard had his best game of the season on, on Saturday, and we've got to praise him when it's just right, as we have castigated him when he also deserved, fully deserved it. But Rico Henry, and I'm going to. Beat my own drum for a second. I said when he signed, we've got a future England international fullback there. And I probably wasn't the only one, so I'm not sort of trying to get all the credit. He played like it on Saturday. And was made for him. He defended. He got down that line. He scored the, a fantastic goal with his wrong foot. But look where he picked the ball up. He picked the ball up 20 yards inside their half in inside left position. What's he doing there? That's what the system do, does. And there's so much more cover when these fullbacks go forward. Barbe is looking like a world-beater in this system when otherwise he looked exposed when he was centre-half in a two. And that's why I'm sure the club were planning on him leaving. I'm sure we'll come back to that. It just seems to suit everyone. And Thomas Frank, you know, I was one of the many that said he has to go. Maybe slowly, we've got to do it right, but he has to go. At the moment, completely wrong. Because you can see he's having an effect on those players. Good luck to him. I was wrong. I'm, I'm going to be sort of a bit devil's advocate here and looking at that game because we all get ourselves very excited. We got very excited when we beat Rotherham 5-1 at the beginning of the season. Yes, we had a few, you know, very good uh, performances and results at the beginning of the season. Then it all went, you know, horribly wrong when people had decided to look at the way that we play. You know, Bielsa probably came down the training ground and he probably sold his uh, scouting notes to all the other teams. And all of a sudden we found it quite difficult to, uh, to, to win matches. Um, Stoke City lost to Shrewsbury in the Cup um, last night. I think it was the night before last night. They lost to Shrewsbury again. So they lost to us and then they lost to Shrewsbury and they're playing Leeds on Saturday. If you go onto um, the Oatcake uh, message board, it literally is, I mean, people are literally slitting their wrists on there. Um, they think they're actually terrible. They think they're going to be in a bit of a Sunderland zone. They think it's rotten from the core. They think it's not all about just bringing a new manager in. They need to build themselves from the bottom. So the question I'm going to ask is... You know, are we getting a little bit overly excited here because we've actually beaten a side that is actually just not very good? Yeah. I mean, so, you're right. And you have to introduce a note of caution. One, one swallow doesn't make a summer. But the important thing is that you can see the way the team is evolving. Um, I, I went to Birmingham. I went to, Br I went to Bristol, went to Birmingham and could see what Thomas Frank was doing. After the Birmingham game, I think I said to you, you know, I wanted to apologise to Thomas Frank, because like Greville, I doubted whether he might be the right man for the job. But 
in those two games over Christmas and the New Year, you could see the system that he was trying to evolve and move into, and you could see that it was going to work. Saturday, we played Stoke, not a very good team, but quite clearly, we we, we did take them apart. As you say, the, the next test, Rotherham, we've got Hull coming up in a few weeks. All those te- those are teams that we really will have to beat and, and try it on. But I, I, I think we should allow ourselves to be cautiously optimistic rather than that what was a pretty poor uh, end of 2018 yeah well absolutely and uh, you know it, it can't it can't get as bad as that again I mean you know we, we were we weren't playing we weren't playing well enough but we weren't playing awfully enough to, to warrant that run of consecutive defeats um, but you know Saturday's performance showed that Every, all those little percentages have ramped the performance up and we're more than a match for anyone in this league again on our day. You know, we, we aren't going to go down. Um, we're not going to, we, we probably won't be in the bottom half of this division by the by the cup, by the end of May or by the beginning of May rather. So, you know, yeah, we're right to, to have a little bit more confidence and to be a bit more upbeat um, in the next few, few months. You know, we're not going to win every game. Um, we are going to lose a few. Um, we probably may not keep the, the performance levels to the to the level that we saw on Saturday every week. Um, and as I said on Monday night a few times, we have to go to Rotherham now and build on on uh, on last Saturday. We may not match it performance, but we have to match the result. And looking at last night, looking at the uh, Stoke defeat of the Shrewsbury again, and I'm contrasting that with our win against Oxford. Um, Thomas Frank played a very strong team. You know, he rested the goalkeeper, he gave the silver a chance. Otherwise, it was pretty much a first-choice team. Stoke last night rotated completely. Uh, I think they played two or three of the teams that played on Saturday. And look where it got them. You know, now, uh, the new manager, all right, he's already, they're probably already banging for his head because he's 0 for 2. I would have expected him to have played a lot more players that he didn't play on on, um, on, well, on Saturday so he could get an all-round view of what his squad squad were. Because as we know, sure. the FA Cup doesn't count so much. I, I think I think he just needs, it's like Thomas Frank, he needed to win the Bristol City game, he didn't quite win. He needed to get a win. I think Nathan, any new manager needs to get a win because the fans now are so vituperative and, you know, there's no escape. So I think he's made a mistake there. Thomas Frank, I think, double tick for getting a win against Oxford by taking it seriously and treating them with respect. Because if we'd have lost against Oxford by playing kids and reserves, the impetus would have been lost. So I think we've done it right. He's done it wrong. So listen, so listen, so look, I mean, it's good and things are moving forward, but things are moving forward because we had a particular team on Saturday. That team... Pretty much needs to be the same team that, that that stays together on the thirty first of January when the uh, when the window shuts. I believe the window shuts on thirty first of January, the end of January anyway. But there's rumours, there's players that have been leaving, there's players been going out, there's players of rumours of coming in as well. We're going to talk a little bit more about the transfer activity in and around Griffin Park, and also, like I said to you, the B team who we saw last night who beat Wingate and Finchley, and there might be some players there who may be featuring as part of the new Brentford first team so today the news is in that Chris Meppham is going to be moving to AFC Bournemouth the fees talking about that 12 million some people are saying 15 million but we're talking about 12 million pounds obviously plus add-ons Brentford are very big on the add-ons so it's all about the add-ons as you know Um, and so Chris Meppham is off he's actually only played 
39. He's not even played 50 games for Brentford. He's played 39 games for Brentford. And less than two years ago, myself and Laney saw him play at Harlington. QPR, under 23s, or QPR, actually a QPR reserve side, played Brentford B team. And Chris Meppen was playing for them. He's fully ensconced in our B team at the time. And we thought, mm, he looks all right. You know, not too bad. Never really thought that two years later, we'd be selling him for £12 million to a Premier League club. But hey-ho, that's how it goes. And brilliant job by um, Rob Rowan, as we say, who worked with him. And he helped to, to develop him with the staff around there as well. And uh, he's, a, he's a testament to the work that Rob Rowan has put in on this B team. So absolutely fantastic. And good luck to him. He's going off to Bournemouth. I think a lot of Brentford fans have been saying that they're not going to... Uh, they're not too gutted for Chris Meppham as such. He's got himself the move. We've got ourselves some decent money. Yes, we'd love to keep all our players together. But, you know, with the, the, the £12 million that we've got, we'll hope very much so that we're going to reinvest that money. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Chris Meppham to, to Bournemouth, it's been on the cards for a year now, since ever since Eddie Howe came down last January window. So as soon as you get a Premier League manager coming down and he expresses his love for a particular player, you know that ain't going to go away. Laney? Yep. Um, we, it will be a massive shame if, if, we, if we lose Meps. He's... he's um, Certainly, certainly come on leaps and bounds, and you know uh, the the BL End partnership really paid dividends for him last year. Uh, to see him go into the Welsh first team, to see him establish himself as one of the brightest prospects in in Welsh football um, under Ryan Giggs, um, for Ryan Giggs to to you know to speak as highly about him as he has done, because Ryan Giggs is one of the best footballers that this this nation you know this united kingdom has produced in for generations um really really speaks volumes for for meps um there was talk as we know last summer about him going to bournemouth and eddie howe has um has, has been sniffing around him for a long long time um and if uh you know if if he does to, if he does go to bournemouth and um, you know that kind of interest and the support and the encouragement that Eddie Howe's probably helped him achieve um, by by that interest. It shows that if he carried on getting better and better, a, a big move to the Premiership. And we have to now look at Bournemouth as being an established Premiership team. You know they're they're never going to challenge for the for honours in the champion in the, in the Premiership. But it doesn't seem never like say never, Laney. Can... No, no, well, Leicester. you know, but it's, it's unlikely, yeah. Leicester? But, yeah, OK, but, you know, they're, they're going nowhere fast. You know? it, it doesn't look like they're going to come down. Um, so uh, if Meppham were to go there, he stands a good chance of getting uh, getting minutes. And that would be my only concern, you know, when any of our better players go, you know, it, it, it's, it's galling because I think at some stage we have to start keeping some of these players if if we are legitimately going to um, have, a, have, a, have a punt at... at at the top flight but um you know if, if they do go and they're able to 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 guarantee you know to not guarantee but to you know more often more often than not get a get a, get a start or, or you know get a decent amount of appearances per season then you, they, you've got to go they've got to go with your blessing my problem is when they go and they just sit on the bench and they, they just go literally for the money they don't actually stand a real chance of getting into the team so yeah if he does go um it's a, it's going to be a shame it always is but you know track record of, of replacement is, is such that, you know, we have to be so confident that um, they'll use that money um, and get at least one or two or even three um, 
I know, including well, um, a, def- a defender. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe maybe not this window, but you know, we if we if you were to go this weekend, I think we'd have to get one or two in um, before the end of this window. But maybe the most of that money will be spent in the summer. So yeah, it's a good move for Meps. Bournemouth is a good fit. Agree all with Lady said. <clears throat> Apart from, I would say you know, if we were looking twelve months ago. Never mind six months ago, if we said we would have a player that was we weren't going to go for less than 20 million, if we had a player that we were transferring out for 12 million, if we had another player that was going for a reported, you know, three, two, three million pounds, we, we'd have looked at each other and said, now nah, this isn't the Brentford we know. The bit where I really disagree with Laney is about reinvesting. I, I'm not certain it's worth spending large sums of money. Um, in January, because the prices in January are always inflated, uh, or they're they're buying it because they they want somebody to get them out of releg- out of relegation trouble or or push on for, or push on for promotion. As we all know, we are probably not going to we're not going up this year. We're not going to go down. Let's hope we have a good cup run. But we can have a good cup run with the team that we the strong team that we've got. Therefore, I'd be very cautious about actually spending any of the money that we get for Mepham and Yanaris, I would say, let's bank it. Let's wait to the summer. We've got some good players back from the B team. Um, sorry, back from on loan. We've got some good players coming up from the B team. This is a real chance for them to shine and for us to show that we're a positive forward club and why players with potential would want to continue to sign for us. And, and you know, it gives the directors of football a good chance this spring to say, right, come the summer transfer window, we'd like you you and you to come to Brentford and this is what we can offer you. I've got a question. I mean, Greville, do you think, because um, obviously um, Bournemouth came in for, for Mepham last January from what, what we can gather. They also came up in for him in the summer and they got rejected. The feeling was that whatever a team will come in for, we will actually, uh, he's worth so much more because he still hasn't fully developed. So the fact is if somebody's got a bid 12 million for him now, if you wait for another year, he'll be worth 18 million or 20 million or whatever it may be. And that's the thought that Brentford had. Obviously, um, he was in the side. He's doing very well. Then he had his injury and he came out. We, we started to ship a load of goals and our heads were down. And then we changed our new formation and he couldn't get in. And he's all of a sudden, he's on the bench frustrated you could tell that he's obviously really frustrated you know from, from the vibe that you can get he's obviously frustrated so do you think all of a sudden something's changed because he wasn't from what I can get the gather you know they were looking at the idea that if he's going to move it might be in the summer do you think that he changed his mind this window because of what's happened with the team and the change of formation the fact that he hasn't got in the side I don't think so I think it's a question of market forces you know everyone has their valuation um, Methan's been scouted by Bournemouth for over a year. Uh, they've had injuries in defence. They're leaking goals themselves. They need to do some business. The t- it's time for it. Therefore, they've come up, hopefully, and offered what we want. I fully hope and expect it's more than £12 million, but that's another conversation. Uh, I mean, I look at it on the fact, firstly, I can't remember the last player we sold direct to the Premier League. I've probably forgotten someone, but I don't think we have. Generally, the players have got to the Premier League, like Gray and Tarkowski, got there by the championship. So that in itself is, is, is a new milestone. Um, he's missed the last five games, so he hasn't been part of this successful run. He played half the Bolton game and that was it. And also all the fears are, there are no sell-ons and anyone else, so that, that's great news. But very briefly, to me, he was the most expendable of all our high-ticket items. And basically, I, I actually agree with Liberal. I think we've... So you agree with the Liberal in, in which way? At least... Yeah. He's already in there. And 
um, you know, he, I know that at the beginning of the season, they were thinking they were going to be rotating uh, the three of them, Konza, Mepham and uh, Jean-Vie. And then Jean-Vie, Diplomavo, probably helpfully got injured at the wrong time. That didn't happen. But Jean-Vie, to me, he's a wonderful talent. And I think he's surely destined to become one of next season's most coveted players. To me, we stick with the three. You've got the three of them there. You've got um, Ratchic and Sorensen, who are both almost ready, if not quite ready there now, to come in. Um, the only player that we would have to replace if we sold him, and I don't think we will sell him this, this, this window, is Mopay. You know, it's, it's a no-brainer we'd have to replace him. And that's probably one of the reasons we won't sell him, because we don't like buying in January. You know, the only time we've ever spent money, real money, in January was for Sergi Canos, and we had to do something. Yeah, we did some money for Sergi, was it? Otherwise. Yeah, so I, so to me, we, we sell him, we try not to replace him. I don't think we will replace him, have to replace him, but he goes with our best wishes. It's a great deal for us, and he's expendable. So, yeah. so, so it's interesting, I mean, you talked about that, you talked about expendable, you, you talk about the money, I mean, um, we talk about the money that Brentford have bought in the last couple of windows. Um, yeah. they have, they have, they've raked in a fair few. Let's just presume... Because obviously it's not been done as, as yet, but I mean this Beppham deal has been talked about for for quite a while. So let's just we, we've got to presume that it's going to go ahead. So Meppham yeah. twelve to fifteen million pounds. We've talked about the Joseph soon. You talked about your Egans. You know we've talked about um, Yiko Yanaris, which we haven't even talked about that as yet. Which is you know four and a half million pounds off of that. We've got you know Ryan Woods as well. We've how much, how much have we pulled in Greville? Well, if, if we get fifteen for let's say we got fifteen, it's the best part of thirty million. Wow. You've got six for Woods, you've got three and a half for allegedly from Yanaris, you've got four and a half for Egan. I'm not saying we've had all the money yet. Um, 2.7 for Josephson. So that, that in itself takes it up to nearly 15 million. And, you know, by the time we finish, it's, 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 it's not far shy of 30 million. So it's not shy of 30 million. And this doesn't include the extra add ons that we're going to get for Tarkowski, which uh, could. Which could go up to you know to fifteen million from the three million that we bought him for as well. So what I mean, the point I'm just saying is that Brentford are doing well now. Interestingly, I mean, obviously there's thoughts out there as well with the investment. Everyone's really pleased that Matthew Benham has put money into the club, into into the club. But the the question I think that's been flying around is with this money coming in now, a has he recouped his investment? Right? Is he close to recouping his investment? And also. If the money is coming in, should the money be, you know, how, how, what is the flow that comes coming in and out? Because I remember there's one thing that Matt Benham said is he said that, you know, the last couple of years he's going, we're getting near to the stage of being um, uh, where our players, the money that's coming in and out, we're, we're basically kind of running ourselves. Beforehand, he'd definitely be putting in 10, 15 million pounds a season. We're getting to the stage now where he's not personally as such putting money per season because we're at least breaking even or we're making money per season. So, you know, where do we get that situation? How, you know, what, what situation are we at now? Um, Greville, I'm just wondering. Well, you know, if he is getting some of his money back, what's he put in? 96 million, 100 million? Yeah. Good luck to him. If he has, you know, if he needs to take some money back, so he should. But the other thing about it, we've got a new stadium to fill and we need to have a side that uh, graces that stadium and whilst, remember, we haven't replaced Rob Rowe and he may be irreplaceable, we have to keep finding those little jewels and nuggets. And it might well be, remember, we're playing at a much higher level now. We're playing at 
What level set? We hope now yeah. that, that we maybe have to be spending much more to find those players. Because whereas before we could find someone for 300, 400, 500,000, hopefully we can always still do that occasionally. But it might well be that because the bar has been raised, we might well have to be spending two, three, maybe even four, five million on the odd player. Well, the market's so gone up anyway. I mean, the market's more expensive anyway. You know, if, if, we're if in we're a different shop. Yeah, we're, we're, spending, yeah, we're, spending, we're, spending, we're selling players for 15 million pounds. So, you know, at the end of the day, if we're spending for 15 million, you're getting players in for two or three million, isn't it, Griff? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we might have to, you know, the players we bought in in the, in the close season, the Ben Ramas, the John Bias, I think they were around the one and a half to two million or so money, which is big money for us. Uh, Konza was over three million, and he, and we had to pick that we had to pick the pocket of the Charlton chairman to do that. So Konza could have been even more money. Konza's our record signing at the moment. So we're bringing in money, and I think we're going to have to spend a lot more money to replace them with better. Liberal. Yeah, I mean, Matthew has put in Matthew Benham has put in a hundred million pounds round round figures into the club. If he's in a position of actually wanting to at least cut down some of his expenditure, I don't think anybody can begrudge that. You look around the Football League now, there are so many clubs running up so many large debts that um, with owners that uh, uh, are chasing this golden, golden goose um, and saddling the clubs for years to come with debt that will never get repaid um, and leads to real financial rack and ruin. Throughout Matthew Benham's tenure at the tenure at the club, Brentford have been on a sound financial footing, either because of the money that he's put in, or because of what is happening now with the foresight that he and others are involved with the club have done. We're recouping money on the transfer windows. We're getting something back in. Uh, yeah, of course you've got to continue to invest, um, and we're investing hugely in a brand new stadium, and we'll need to continue to invest in in players and bringing on players as well. But anybody, you know, read the BBC website today and look at the praise that we're getting for the B team. You know, that was a really difficult decision that had to be taken to close the academy um, and to move to a B team system, and it was all done with an eye on the future. And you know, I may sound like a Matthew Benham loyalist. People might think I've got my head up. You know, his backside with with saying this but i'm just happy that we have a bloke running the club or owning the club who actually cares about the future of brentford club and isn't operating just on a day-to-day year-to-year striving for instant success it really makes me cross with people who think that matthew benham should you know reinvest all this money or should put money into the club if you're prepared to do it do it yourself Nick, I, I think you know. I think that does bring us on. And I'm not going to go into this too deeply, but you know, I've, I've noticed on uh, in a few places that there, there is still uh, there's still a few people peddling this this um, line about Benham being kind of like not trustworthy with our club, and um, in him, you know, in the same week that they put in um, planning application for a, a, a you know to get a state of the art training facility for the club, and you've got the stadium going up. In front of you, and the and you know the best the best squad, we're you know in in any of our lifetimes, you know we we, we are you know and, and the club um, becoming sort of almost self sustainable um, apart from obviously that you know that bigger debt, um, you know to suggest that you know the the powers that be are kind of uh, trying to trying to screw the club is just 
it be- it beggars belief, really. I mean, like, what what more does what more does someone have to do um, to, to to earn your trust? I mean, I've I've not seen this in my lifetime as a Brentford fan, which is which is the reason that you know I, my trust is in the in you know in 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 the powers that be. But you know, you, what 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 other stance is there, Greville? Dave, it's you know what you just shrug your shoulders and give up. It, you can't change people. It's unconscious bias. It's like Romain Sawyer's, you know, in his way, people will refuse to see, for whatever reason, warped reason it is, they will refuse to see his quality. And they'll just, you know, accentuate any any uh, shortcomings. Matthew Benham is a god, as far as I'm concerned, and most like-minded people. And those that aren't, let them get on with their conspiracy theories. You can't change it. That's how yeah. people are. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? It doesn't do us any harm to suffer a bit occasionally. I've hated the last three months. I've been a, like a bear with a sore head at home. Everyone leaving the dogs, avoiding me. We come home after games. But you know what? That's what football's all about. It's the ups and the downs. And we have had nothing but ups for the last, what, six years? So it doesn't do us any harm as long as it doesn't last too long. So, and, and talk about the news, I and mean, we'll throw the, throw the gossip out there as well. I mean, you're talking about Sawyers and sort of kind of the Marmite person, people love him, people hate him. Well, you know, we've got an excuse for people who don't like Sawyers to uh, to get the, to start waving their fists again, because you heard a little bit of a sort of bit of a, bit, bit of a gossip thing going on, Laney, did you not? Well, someone, someone who's a um, opinion I trust is not, not, not you know, uh, out, out of the club by, by a million miles, um, is said that uh, he, uh, the um, Romain Sawyer's was uh, Aston Villa today, but you know it's completely unsubstantiated. There's no photographic evidence, so we'll, we'll see. But I can't, I can't imagine him going this window. Um, I can't imagine Aston Villa have got the kind of money that you know Brentford would would want for him. You know, I I don't know what kind of price you would put on Romain Sawyer's, but six. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think even you know that seems a bargain basement giveaway considering you know we probably got three and a half thousand for Nico Yunares. Yeah, so, three and a half thousand. Four million, four well four million, four and a half million. You mean? So um, yeah. yeah, so it's uh, you know I, I don't think Aston, Aston Villa are, are in the market for that kind of um, expenditure at the moment. So I'm just, I mean, I'm just talking about just again Yunares. You know, we're talking about Yunares because apparently, I mean. The news has been going around about this, like I said to you, from last summer. But apparently he's actually in China. Is that right, Laney? I heard. Yeah, again, I think you, you, the Chinese, you got the Chinese sources there, Bill. Is yeah, Chinese he's, Gary he's not He's, been, he's, on, he's, on, he's, on, he's actually been on holiday, actually, at the moment. I can't get hold of him. But um, but there's a few other, I think there's a few other people that have been telling us that I think he's oh. the, the eagle has landed. Oh, really? I know Bulgarian Brian's, um, but he's been busy on the phone. But... <laughs> um, but I think, um, yeah, well, mate, did you not manage to get hold of Chinese Clive? No, no, no. But we'll try and get hold of him for the next podcast as well. We've been a little bit, we've been celebrating so much for that Stoke victory. We haven't got hold of anyone this week, like I'm saying. So we'll see what we, what we can get on with as well. But again, a load of money from there as well. And we talked to get on the radio show on Monday. Proud of West Dot London. You can check it out. Alan Judge made his move to Ipswich. That was in progress as the show was going on. But the, the move was finalised yesterday, I think it was. So Alan Judge is finally an Ipswich player as well. He's got the move that he wanted. Um, it's uh, like I said, it's six months, um, and then there's an option as well. So obviously, it's a, like I said, it's a move that's going to try and I suppose keep Ipswich up, and it gets um, judgy playing time. You know, as far as Ipswich are concerned, they're probably going to play him every week. Whereas for us, he might be playing or he might be coming off the bench, and he needs to get some game time. So, um, so judgy's got his move, 
Um, a lot of people were thinking, mm, Ipswich is not the best place, but at the end of the day, it's football. You know, Hyam's moved on, McCarthy's moved on, and they're giving them the chance to play football. So, uh, you know, and it, like I said, it's great say over to Brentford. Um, a lot of fans and, you know, myself, yourself, Laney, everybody, you know, you could be gutted to see him move on because he's been brilliant for us. But this is also a good move for him, liberal. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because we couldn't let the podcast go without paying tribute to what Alan Judge did for us. I mean, he scored the goal that sent us up. He's provided us with plenty of entertainment over the years he's been with us. Um, I'm really pleased that he's got a move to Ipswich. I, I, I fear, I think, I don't, I think they are doomed. I think they're pretty much certain to go down this year. But Alan Judge is clearly a really good Division One Division One player. So reckon Ipswich, if they said we'll build a team around him. Um, build a team around him, let him let him um, lead them back into into the championship next season. And Alan Judge, thank you so much for all you've done for Brentford. Good luck in Ipswich. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, and we have to say, you know, we did we did speak at length about it on the radio show, but you know, it, just for the just for the purpose of sort of you know giving giving credit where credit's due here, um, he's one of the best players we've had in in recent times. A um, couple of couple of couple of three seasons ago, he almost single-handedly was the the player that kept us on the straight and narrow when when things were you know, the wheels were coming off. Um, and uh, you know, if it wasn't for that injury, I, I think you know he, he could have been at Brentford. Well, you know, he, he could have gone down as one of the all-time all-time greats. So, um, uh, if, just thank him for his uh, for his what he's achieved at the club and. Um, Obviously, I'll be really hope he, it works out for him at Ipswich. Uh, he's got so much more to offer the game. So, uh, good luck, Alan. Good I luck. I'll, I'll echo all that. But I'll also just say that never criticise a footballer and accuse him of being a mercenary. Look at Alan Judge. He had it, he, he had it made. He was going to make his fortune. And one kick, one kick from a thug has put the kibosh on everything, you know. So it's a, it's, it's a salutary tale, but he's been a wonderful servant. Thank you. He has, dude. So listen, players are going out. We've also got to talk about players coming in as well. And, you know, what players are going to bring in? We don't know the names of these players. There's a few names flying around, but obviously we could talk about positions. The fact that we do know, and like I said, just speaking of our sources out there, Brentford are actually being very active in trying to bring in players this window, whether or not they'll come over the line or not that's not up to them it's up to the player whether or not the players um, want to come whether or not they're the right players whether they get landed whether the deal's going to get done so there's a lot of kind of negotiations going to happen between the next couple of weeks but there is going to be a bit of activity and you would have expected it with the players that we've sent out we've actually kind of made some active moves this window by sending players out freeing up space freeing up wages so that we can actually bring players in which I think is a positive move so um it gives these players a bit of time to bed into what we're about. So hopefully they will actually start with a close season, in the close season, on the training sessions, um, which is very, very important because, you know, when you get players sort of starting just at, the, you know, just at the end of the window, they, don't, they seem to take a little bit more time to bed in. But the fact that they've got a few months to bed in and then the whole close season, which is all good. So we're looking at that. Um, there's a few names being flying around. Again, this is all the gossip on the internet. We're talking about Colin Grant, who's the Charlton forward who scored 13 goals, I think it is, so far this season as well. That's one of the names that's been flying around. Again, not verified from any sources or anything like that. But we just at this stage, we need to talk about what's going on. Um, and obviously, people will always be linking Brentford with another striker when you've got a striker like Malpe scoring lots of goals. And obviously, people will be turning up with their wheelbarrows to try and lure him away from us. Any, uh, any any other positions that you think that we might be going for, Griff? No, not, not this window. I mean, 
to me, of course we all want new players to come in, but and I think the real problem is that the by the end of the season, we might well need to bring in six to eight players. I really believe that. So wouldn't it be good to get at least a couple of them in now? Because we saw at the end of the well, being of the 15-16 season, we tried to bed in eight new players and it didn't work. But the problem, as everyone said, is finding the right player at the right price this uh, this month. Uh, it's a good selling month. It's a terrible buying month. You know, we are going to have to bring in at least one, maybe two midfielders. We're going to have to bring in probably one more centre-half at some point. We probably want to bring in another winger. And we certainly want to bring in at least one, maybe two strikers. But whether any of them will come in now, who knows? Who knows? The only yeah. thing we would have to do is replace Okay if you were to go. But I, I just don't think there's any way you'll go. Yeah, I'm not expecting any anything major. You know, if, if we're obviously nothing, nothing's been really confirmed apart from what we already know. You know, the the Mepham um, is is just a just a rumor still at the moment, and anyone else going um, is is you know is, it, it could happen, it, it may not. But uh, you know, we we aren't really known for doing much business, as Greville rightly pointed out earlier in the January window. Um, and I think now it would appear that the you know the this calamitous run has, has come to an end. You know, even if we don't even if we don't win the next six games on the trot, you know, it, it suggests that we could probably limp through to uh, to the summer with with what we've got. Limp limp's probably even a negative more you know a too negative term for what we could do. We could still probably do some really good things this season with the squad. Um, you know, we've we've got less less meps. You know, obviously, if if Sawyer's with the go, then that does change the dynamic okay. a lot. And if if Sawyer's and Morpay went, then obviously we're the alarm bells go off. We're scrabbling around. So, yeah. So, so, Bill, is it the case? Do I do I cancel then my hotel booking for the last night of the transfer window, and uh, and don't need to bring my uh, purple dildo up to town to be standing outside Jersey Road? Waving it on the last night of the transfer window because you reckon there won't be any sky cameras there? No, I didn't. I didn't. I'm not the one that's saying that. That's Greville that's saying that. I'm saying that. You know, I'm saying that. It looks like we're being a little bit active as to whether or not it'll come off or not. I don't know. So, uh, you're, so you're so, probably better off better off taking your purple dildo down to the Oxford training grounds. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, right. After, after yeah, yeah. allegedly, with that one, not allegedly, we've all we've all seen the pictures. Yeah. So yeah, but also there's another another names that've been flying around. We're talking about Kirill. Despotov, we have to mention this as well because everyone's going, ah, oh, he's the Bulgarian, I think he's a winger. Winger, he plays on both sides, plays winger and also plays down the middle as well. He's got about 452 agents, like, you know, apparently. So whether or not, you know, this is his agent desperately trying to get him removed from... We spoke to Bulgarian Barry, actually, and Bulgarian Barry wasn't overly um, keen about this one. He was like, he just started to sort of chuckle. So we're not quite sure whether or not this is the case. Um, on the on the Despotov, like you know, what I'm saying so. Uh, yeah, so but so like I said to you, we'll we'll throw all the things out there that are flying around, but we're kind of actually at the same time, we're not quite sure whether or not that's happening. I think you know, whoever it may be coming, the information on them is a little bit tight because we need to make sure that we get them over the line and also make sure that nobody else comes in for it. Because now we're at the stage where you know, as you know, agents go Brentford are after my player. And that actually tries to put a little bit more value into other players. So, you know, we've got to be a little bit cleverer about how we're going about doing these things. Um, one other player I'd say to you that I do know, well, I say I don't do know, but we, we were talking about this player and we think that actually this may be a, a new signing for us. It's, uh, he plays actually in this centre defence, uh, Yoan Barbe. 
Now, it's an interesting scenario there because we were saying a few weeks ago that we're not sure if Barbe is going to be there. We've been talking about that for a while because he seemed to be out, you know, left wing or left, sorry, left back. He was, what, third in line at the left back, I think he was, uh, at least second or maybe actually third in line at the left back, you know, fourth in line in the, in, in the centre backs. But we've changed uh, our, our positionings. We've changed our, our, our um, we've changed our back three now as well. So we've gone to a back three and we've, uh, Chris Meppham's leaving. And all of a sudden, it looks completely different situation. And Barbe is looking fantastic in defence in, in, in how he's doing. I mean, Greville, I mean, I know you were enthusing about the Frenchman, weren't you? Yeah, but I mean, a month ago, I'd have said with absolute certainty that he was going to leave on a Bosman free in May unless we were able to sell him in January. But, you know, football changes. He's suddenly a more valuable asset with the three at the back. He's absolutely wonderful. Uh, defensively, he's putting his head in. You know, he's doing well. What are you doing? Um, he's been frustrated by playing time at the club and also thought he was going to earn a lot more elsewhere. Um, but to me now, I think the club were probably at best allowing him to run his contract now. You have to be really quiet. But certainly with Metham going as well, I think the club should be looking at trying to re-sign him because also the fans love him. And he's a bit of a talisman. And it's important that the club does maintain that sort of player as well. So I'm hoping that something might happen with Barbe. But it might well be he's already got his move lined up. Who knows? But I keep I love Barbe. Um, he's, he's, he's a player that if, if they said they, we've re-signed him for another, another two, three years, that I think it would please a lot of Brentford fans. He's... he's you know, he's, he's clearly, he's clearly do I'm a, doing a very, very skillful and very, very capable defender. You have to wait till I'm finished. He's a caustic kind of uh, spirited person. I, I, I want a part of this squad. Um, it would be a shame to see him go. Um, and, you know, I think if, if Mepper were to go and then they announced uh, um, that, that uh, Barbe had signed, I think that would be that would be a great yin and yang situation there. OK, so yin and yang. So, I mean, so players in, like I said, we were still waiting for the news, but we're waiting for a little bit of activity. Maybe it might be one player. You know, we were talking about a, a, a defensive midfielder, even though we have got one at the moment now, whether or not they're looking for a backup defensive midfielder, whether or not we're looking for a box-to-box player, whether or not we're looking for a winger, because you know we've 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 got yes we've got Canos, we've got Ben Rama, but whether or not we're looking for another winger, or uh, or you know so th- there's a few little positions out there and we should wait and see. But listen, after that we're gonna have a look around and see what else is going on in and around Griffin Park. So talking about new players coming in, talking about our existing players coming in as well, but these existing players could become new players. We're talking about our B team. Brentford B team, as you know, we got rid of our academy. We set up a B team, which is basically a reserve side. Players from 17 years old who signed contracts for Brentford up to the age of 23, I think it is. Uh, Possibly it might be 21. And what they do is that they play lots of football and eventually, hopefully, they'll get themselves into the A team. That's the idea. Very, very simple. And they go and play games all over the place. You know, from QPR to Reading to Liverpool to Inter Milan. And last weekend, they were in Germany playing Bayern Munich. And they beat Bayern Munich 5-2. And if you actually go onto Besotted, the Twitter as well, you'll see a little piece by the BBC. They had a little write-up on Brentford and their trip to Germany playing 
Bayern Munich, and like I said to you, they beat them five two, and uh, and it wasn't it wasn't like a kind of lucky win. It was like they were properly like all over them. You know, they were well and truly ahead. I think Bayern Munich scored the last goal to make it five two in the end, but it was a very 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 comprehensive victory. Now there's been a lot of plaudits about the Brentford B team, really 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 doing a lot of really good jobs, um, but we just thought that we'd have a we'd have a, we'd have a little chat about the B team. Because myself and Greville went to go and see them yesterday. They played Wingate and Finchley. And they beat them after extra time in the London FA Cup or the London Senior Cup or whatever it's called. You know, I'm not playing disrespect to the cup, but there's so many different cups going out there. But they won a cup game. And uh, they looked a little bit jaded because they played three games in seven or eight days. But they still won. And it was a good result for them. And uh, like I said, there is a couple of performances out there that were pretty, pretty, pretty decent. Like I said to you, I'd like to see them play again a little bit fresher because, like I say, some, three games in seven or eight days. But still, um, they played against Wingate and Finchley, who were properly rough and tough and um, big team and knocking the ball into the middle and blocking the ball into the air. And, you know, we had to do all that aerial defending thing. And, and, and they, they, there was a little bit, it got a little bit punchy at times as well. But it was a good result, though, wasn't it, Rev? Yeah, it was a great result. Um, it was it no. was a real battle. No. And Wingate played some football. They were great in the air. They they scored two goals from set pieces. We went three at the back. We actually uh, mimicked the first team, which was quite good for times as well. But what struck me is how competent and how confident on the ball they all are. And I reckon there there were seven players out there yesterday who could well play. Some of them have already played in the first team, but could have a real future. You know, you had Ellery Balcom in goal, a bit rusty. I think it's his first game for ages. He's a good player. You had Madsbeck, Sorensen, and uh, Rakic, Luka Rakic, the two centre-halves. Um, Sorensen's a bit like the Aaron Pierre, you know, the thresher combine harvester, but he's still quite quick and can play. Luka Rakic is just a fantastic ball-playing centre-half. He is Chris Metham. He's got it. You've got him. Left back, you had Roger Stanislaus. Sorry, Colder Silver. And Colder Silver to me was Roger Stanislaus. I don't know if you saw it, Bill. Yeah. Squat, yeah. short, yeah. powerful, let all left foot, just powered forward, great shot on him. It just came to me last night, Stanislaus. Yeah. And he was fantastic. Best player on the pitch. Zamberek, John Zamberek, put his foot in in midfield and can play the ball. Uh, Force came back and did well. Is he going to be our reserve striker for the rest of the season? Who knows? But he, he, he had an hour. But the one who also really impressed me was Theo Archibald. He's a, he's a baller. You know, he's, he's like a real winger, great ball control, pace, power, direct, confident. He's a footballer. And playing, and he's, you know, knocked about Forest Green and Div 2 has helped him out. And then you didn't even have um, Oksana, who's probably the best player of them all, who's been out for the last six weeks. And Goodison, the other goalkeeper, there are probably nine players there who are prospects. And I haven't even mentioned Joe Hardy, who scored 24 goals. And actually, I was very impressed with him. I didn't expect to be impressed with him because, you know, he's a smurf. But my God, he held the ball well and he's got it in front of goal. So it's interesting because he played him out. He played out wide for for a lot of the yeah. a lot of the game to obviously accommodate Force, who was in the middle for the first yeah. what 60 minutes or so. Um, and I thought that he. he, he Again, he wasn't as much in the game as I thought he would be. Um, and maybe, again, it's one of those things where he's playing out of position. Did... Yeah, I think you're right. But he, he still did it. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been a bit sceptical about him purely because of his size and lack of strength. 
but he's he's going to make a career of it for himself. Good luck to him. It might not be with Brentford, but he's got a career ahead of him. Well, Mo- uh, Mopey's not that large. Well, uh, Mopey is a giant compared to Joe Hardy, believe me. And Mopey is built. Yeah. Hardy isn't. I've got to say um, that you know Lars Freese seems to have come in there and and continued immediately the, the good work that Kev O'Connor was doing. Um, so sort of certainly a lot of credit has to be uh, be given to, to Lars. Um, it's uh, you know obviously again there's lots of pressure on him. So it's that's a big pressure job. Um, obviously he's got a his conveyor belt. For, for, he's got uh, a conveyor belt going on. So hasn't he? Um, you know not only is he is he um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a real it's a real it's a real great job. Um, so uh, you know, I'm just really relieved that again, that's that's something that we haven't got to worry about. It's not like he's come in and that's not worked. It seems to have been a seamless transition, which can only be a good thing. And, and Greville, did you ever look at um, number ten, Jan Zamberek as well? Yeah, Zamberek, I thought was class, class yeah. on the ball, vision, um, and he put his foot got booked. And it was, I quite enjoyed seeing him get booked because he got fouled and he gave it back. Wouldn't take it. Um, I didn't, I've forgotten about Johansson and, and Magica who came on and were, were little whippets down the left wing. Yeah. We haven't mentioned Reese Cole. You know, Reese Cole obviously isn't seen as a Brentford player by the powers that be. I don't know why. He's got vision. He hasn't got any pace, but he is a footballer and he hits a free kick of all the kicks into the 35 yard. No, Get onto the crossbar. He's a good player too. So you know our future's in very safe hands, and I reckon there's some of these players who will be first-team squad players certainly by early next season. It's quite funny actually because you remember you talked about the uh, the talk sports show a few weeks ago when we had Marcus Gale on, and he talked about um, the warm-up, and he was like monitoring Brentford's warm-up, and he was going that the warm-up wasn't quite right, and he felt that it wasn't quite right in the side. Um, and and you, you in your eyes sort of looking at that, I don't know if you noticed the sort of kind of the the, the, the reserve players warm-up as they were warming up on the side, in particular sort of Machka, and uh, they, were, they were they were dead to warm up, and and. There wasn't much enthusiasm in the warm-up. Let's just put it that way. I didn't. I didn't quite know that they were going to come on. So when Magica eventually kind of got a little bit of a sprint on, I was thinking, oh, actually, you know, he's actually got something there because beforehand he almost kind of looked like he didn't really want to go on. I don't know if he was on a little bit jet lagged from Germany, but um, like I said, Marcus Gale has actually he's, he's given us that little kind of a warning sign on the warm-up. So. If you players are listening out there, don't worry. We're going to be watching your warm-ups from now on, so you have to make sure your warm-ups are very enthusiastic, right, you know. But, um, yeah, so but yeah, it was good. It was, uh, like I said to you, it was good. And like I said to you, a few players coming through from from um, from the B team into 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 the main team as well. And like I said to you, and the main the next match that they've got, they're actually going to be playing Dulwich Hamlet, which is going to get a few uh... jokes flying around. So uh, Dulwich Hamlet going to be playing Brentford. Um, we think it might be at Griffin Park unless they decide to switch it to 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 the Hamlet. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be. Is it Barnet in the other cup? I'm not sure. Um, say it again. Is it Barnet in the other cup in the Middlesex Cup? Well, we're not I'm sure not yet. I'm not quite sure what's happening in the in, in, in the, the Middlesex Cup. We'll have to have a, have a look at that. So yeah, they're, they're they're keeping themselves very busy. The B team. So uh, just watch out for that. And like I said, to you hopefully if it is at Griffin Park. They'll do the usual, try and get it as cheap as possible or free for everyone to come down so we can get a good crowd down there and make a little bit of noise and actually kind of get behind the B team and see the new players that are coming through. And, the, and of course, there was the BBC article, as we said, the BBC went with our B team to Germany last weekend because Brentford played Bayern Munich. 
uh, Bayern Munich under 19s. They played them, obviously quite good. And um, the BBC followed them. And the BBC, after they followed them, they've done an article and they've also tweeted and they've uh, done a video. And the video's come out. You can see the video, which has got the goals and interviews with quite a few of the Bees players. And quite a long article on there where they're actually kind of, uh, well, they've given us a lot of respect and talked about, you know, how sort of radical we are with this process and how we're going out there. We're actually beating the big boys. Little story that they like. But, you know, it's getting Brentford props yet again. Um, you were very impressed with that, weren't you, the Liberal? Yeah, I was. I thought it was a really good article and told me, actually told me, who, you know, perhaps isn't as a conscientious of the B team as you and uh, Greville are, um, exactly uh, what was going and what was happening. I think we ought to give a shout out as well to Will Walters and Tom Irving, who were the two Brentford fans who were spotted uh, at the B team game. Uh, you know, I, I know some of us had, had wondered if we could make it, but thought the attractions of Stoke at home were better. But full credit to those two for making it out to Munich. Hope they had a good, good weekend. If what, if and I'd have managed to make it home because I gather it's pretty snowy out in Germany at the moment. But uh, obviously they came back with the B team. No, but yeah, go and search that article out on the BBC Sport website. It's a really good read. That's right. And like I said to you, um, check out that on the website as well. The B team also are going on another little bit of a European tour. They're playing Shamrock Rovers. Uh, again, you'll have to check the date, but it's uh, it's the day before we play Nottingham Forest. So we play Nottingham Forest, I think it's either the 8th or the 9th of February. So it's on a Friday night. So they're playing Nottingham Forest on the Friday in Shamrock Rovers. Um, there's quite a few. There's, I, I, it was really, I really enjoyed myself with uh, Wingate and Finchley last night because it was really relaxed. And I talked to quite a lot of Bees fans. Um, some fans that I haven't spoken to for a while, some fans that I've never spoken to at all. Um, a lot of them listen to the podcast as well. So thanks very much for listening in. And they are telling us how much they enjoy the podcast. So brilliant. Thanks for listening in. Uh, they give you all a shout. And, you know, good, 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 ch- good chatting to you. But like I said to you, a couple, a couple of characters I spoke to last night who were actually going over to Shamrock Rovers as well. So they were asking us questions about what it's like and where we stayed when we went over to Ireland last year. And they're looking forward to it as well. I know one of our crew as well... Um, um, Tony, the old mead, he's going out there and he's bringing a couple of sort of our Irish fans who's, who they converted to bees for the day. So there's quite a few bees fans actually going to Shamrock Rovers for that game. Like I said to you, it's the Friday night before the Nottingham Forest game. And if you really want to, you can actually get a flight at nine o'clock, I think it is, on Saturday morning and fly straight into East Midlands Airport. It's not very much at the moment now. And we're still considering whether or not we're going to do that. You know, Friday night in Dublin, straight into Nottingham for the Nottingham Forest game. I think it could be a nice little weekend of that one, indeed. So, uh, but yes, the B team, it's all good. Everything's all good. And like I said to you, fingers crossed, we may see another player poke his head in to the A team. But talking about the A team, Saturday, we've got a big game. We are playing Rotherham. Rotherham, up at Rotherham, we always have problems up at Rotherham. We don't do as well as we should do. We know we need to get a result at Rotherham, but we need to find out a little bit more about what Rotherham are about. So we're going to see George, or talk to George Sanders, from the Ground Hopping Hub. He's a Rotherham fan. He knows all about Rotherham, and he's going to give us his five from the hive. Five from the hive, Rotherham. Hi, I'm George Sanders from the Ground Hopping Hub. I've been a Rotherham United fan for all of my life, and all my family are massive Miller's supporters too. I run a website called thegroundhoppinghub.co.uk as part of my university coursework, which is a website aiming to focus on football supporters at football grounds, really. So Rotherham are back in the Championship. It's been a tough six months for the Millers. Are you happy with how your season is going? 
Overall, I'm quite content with our season so far. It's great to be back in the Championship. I'm aware that we're a small fish in a big pond here. I mean, I've grown up watching Rotherham in the lower leagues for most of my life. Our form's been a bit poor recently. We started the season well, besides getting battered by yourselves on the opening day. I think we shocked many people with results such as our 1-0 victory over Derby County and we've secured draws against the likes of Middlesbrough and Sheffield United, two solid sides. My only area of concern is that I think we've dropped points in games where we should have got all three really, far too much this season. You'll have a look at our form, there's so many draws there. The game against both of the teams from Sheffield springs to mind when talking about this. I feel we deserved three points from both of them. I saw a lot of Blades and Wednesday out saying yeah, that they robbed us basically after the game. So uh, We've had a period of nine games without a win before our 2-1 win over Preston on New Year's Day. So fingers crossed we have turned a corner now. A lot of credit has gone to your manager, Paul Warren. How has he shaped this Rotherham team? I love Paul Warren. We've labelled him as Warniola from the stands for what he's done to the club. He inherited a team full of factions and discontented players who didn't want to be there, I don't think, last time we were in the Championship, so obviously we went down. He managed to turn it around in League One. He built up a team of what he labels as good human beings. He's admitted that some of the players might not be the best skills-wise, but they're good people. And he might not have as much experience as other managers. Uh, obviously, his background was a fitness coach before being appointed manager at us, but he's a club hero, played for the club, loves the club, and he demands a high work rate from the players coming from that fitness coach background. So, And you can tell on the pitch as well, I've enjoyed watching us play football for the majority of this season. I mean, obviously, at times it's frustrating. But uh, we don't play a negative style of football, I'd say. We still have quite a lot of attacking intent. And I remember interviewing our midfielder, Will Volks, and uh, Volks stated that you know he's different from any other manager that he's worked under before, and he praised Warren's honesty and attitude. Everyone, bar myself for the pre-season predictions, wrote Rotherham off this season. Do you think you have enough in the bag to survive the drop? I'm not surprised people were to write us off at the start of the season, really. We probably have the smallest budget in the league. Uh, I am optimistic we can survive the drop. I say optimistic, it's still going to be a massive, massive challenge. As I said, I think the positive football we've been playing in parts is down to my reason for this. And as long as we can sort out defensive frailties with a signing or two, I can't see us going down. I feel like we need a new right-back. Zach Viner um, has taken a lot of slack from Rotherham fans, to be fair. And Billy Jones, I haven't really seen enough of him to make a judgment. So, yeah, sort out the defence. And I certainly do think we have a better chance of staying up than other clubs in the league. I mean, Ipswich are obviously lowly. <laughs> I mean, we lost to them at the weekend. Um, it's going to be very close, very nervy end to the season. But I'm confident we can stay up just. The Millers have a no-nonsense approach to matches. Preston, Blackburn, Blades, QPR, Wednesday, they all struggled to beat you. Who's out there doing the business for you? I'd love to see the whole team for this question because I can tell everyone is playing for the badge and the club, which again links back to one, getting in players that want to be here and want to play football. Uh, but if I am going to mention individuals, I'd say Semi Ajayi, our centre-back. He's one of the standout players. Uh, he's done a very good job in defence this season. Uh, he can play defensive midfield too. He's very versatile, he's quick, he's strong and he is quite skillful for a centre-back. He can take players on and it doesn't give me a heart attack when he does it as well. 
I also have to mention Michael Smith up front, our striker. He's, he's not a prolific striker, granted, but he causes defences chaos with his size and he holds up the ball really well, which is key to our play. You know, he flicks it onto the midfielders to drive forward as well and he's really dangerous aerially because of his height and his strength at set pieces. In midfield, I'd say the man who runs the shop there is Will Volks. He's hard-working, he's dependable, he, he can pass the ball well, he can strike the ball really well. He, he only really scores screamers, you know, sometimes he misses from about four yards and then he can strike one from 40. So yeah, his set pieces are good as well and he is a really nice bloke off the pitch too. Brentford make a visit to the New York Stadium on Saturday. It's not the best of hunting grounds for the bees. After a scintillating start where we beat Rotherham 5-1, our season's tailed off somewhat. Saying that, the last few matches we've looked much better, but a result at Rotherham is essential for the Bees, for confidence, and also getting that first win monkey off our back. How do you see the match panning out? Give us a score prediction. Well, when we lost... 3-1, uh, 5-1, sorry, <laughs> trying to be optimistic then, all I could think about was that it was, it's going to be a very long season and um, thankfully we, we haven't been battered that much since, I mean we've lost 4-0 to West Brom uh, but West Brom are a great attacking side, so I, I am not really sure what to think of facing Brentford, it's going to be very tricky, I know you've turned form round recently, I think you're 17th in the league so that that's kind of misleading I think, you've got a squad of very good players and it's like Neil Mapai. I'm, I'm sorry if I am pronouncing that wrong, but he's the instant standout one just because he's a goal scorer. Romain Sawyer seems like a special player too. I know he can, he's got a good cross and he can get a few assists. I think if we're going to get anything out of the game, we're going to have to defend well and hit you on the counter-attack, and that's what we've done successfully times this season. I'm going to go in my heart with this one and say we'll win 2-1, as I do think we'll concede. I've mentioned that defensive frailty. Three points is obviously important for you as well, but I think with us being at home and the very tiny points gap now keeping us above the relegation zone, it's going to be labelled down as a crucial game and hopefully our backing from the stands will make the difference for us. There we go, George Sanders with The Flight of the Bumblebee by Rimsky Korsakov in the background. I chose that music deliberately. Flight of the Bumblebee. B music there just to give it a bit of a vibe. Yeah, yeah. we got it. We yeah. understood. Yeah, That's we got right. it. Yeah. So anyway, but a lot of people are asking, so what is that music? Why did you choose that music? So I say Flight of the Bumblebee, Rumsky, Korsakov. But listen, George has given us the lowdown on Rotherham. And like I said, he thinks that they've done all right this season. And you never know. You think they might stick their head above the parapet. Um, they've definitely got a bit of a fight in them. Uh, a lot of teams out there have been struggling to beat them. And, you you know, Brentford are going there. We can never say that this is going to be three points. We can never even say this is going to be one point because we go to Rotherham and uh, it's going to be a bit of a battle. Greville. Yeah, I mean, Rotherham traditionally are sort of the anti-Brentford and it's long ball, long ball, pressure, high energy. Um, to be honest, I admire them. I think they've made the most of very, very limited resources. They've got a good manager in Paul Warren. They've got some decent players. This is a game that actually will really test us if we can go there and defend properly, and we will have to defend properly, because there'll be a lot of balls peeing in our area, a lot of second balls, a lot of set pieces. They score a lot of late goals. If we can come away from there with a clean sheet and a one or 2 nil win, then the Thomas Frank revolution really is on. If we revert to type and we sort of capitulate and lose by two or three, then 
maybe we've got to start thinking. We're going to win 2 0. It's the Rotherham trip is the worst one of the calendar for me. Um, I, I, I hate going there. Uh, the Rotherham is an opposition. We seem to win our home games. They seem to win their home games. I know we won, you know, a few years ago, but it was it was a you know it seems a long time ago. Um, it, it's it, it's a, we are due an away win. We have to, we can't go all season playing some of the football we do on our, even on our travels and not register a win. So this game surely is the one. But we've been there before when they've been at the bottom and we've been on decent form and we've lost. So um, I go there with uh, with trepidation. I, I don't go there confident. Um, we haven't had a draw against Rotherham at their place for quite a while. So I think 2009. So we're probably overdue, overdue a draw. So maybe I'm going to go for a I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Is my prediction. I'm disappointed uh, not to be able to make it this weekend because I actually like the New York Stadium. I think it's uh, one of the better new stadiums that there are around in the league. Um, and it's in the, I mean, it's in the centre of the town. Although being in the centre of Rotherham doesn't really have that much to say for itself. Um, but it's a yeah, it's a tidy stadium. Nice place to nice place to watch football from. Uh, as to what we'll do, I mean, Greville already said um, it'll be a test for our defensive uh, team uh, this 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 week. Uh, I was going to go one all two. I'm I'm a bit like Laney, uh, although perhaps I'll be a bit more positive. No, I'll go two one Brentford because I think we're 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 on a run and we're starting to build a run. And Brentford do these winning runs, and let's go on it. Yeah, two one Brentford. That's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to go 2-0 to Brentford. I think we're back and we're just going to keep it tight. And we know how to keep it tight. And we're going to get our first win. And I'm confident of that one. And so I'm going to say 2-0 to the mighty, mighty bees. And just looking back at last week as well, Greville, you were pretty spot on last week. You got 3-1. Actually, no, you got 3-1 to Stoke. 3-1 to Stoke? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, God. I thought you, I thought you got it spot on. Greville. Uh, loyal. Technical. Loyal. To, 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 a week late having a bad day look at him he's a week later and he's like all positive and jumping up and down now but seven days ago he was like you know he was like slitting his wrists wasn't he you know now it's David Anderson actually the Anderson who actually got the only one who got his spot on last week threw into the bees if you check out um, um, Ian Westbrook's um, preview match preview that he does for the home games as well and also we should have a match preview up for the away game as well hopefully before Friday you will see the results um, the, the people's predictions out there and the Anderson 3-1 he got that as well Edward the Hedward 2-1 bees Jerry the Cabby, 2-1-Bs. And uh, Cham de Silva got 2-1-Bs as well. But, and Greville, 3-1 to Stoke. But we want, you know, we probably want to forget that. But yeah, but you can see that people were fairly confident that we're going to get a result against Stoke City this week. So today, I think we're a little bit confident. Like I said, we'll check out next week. But listen, besides Pride of West London podcast, it's been a good week for us. It's been a very, very good week for us. Brentford have won about five games in the last week between the B team and uh, the first team. So that's very, very good. Let's hope they'll make it six on Saturday when we go to Rotherham. We're going to be going up there. We're going to be drinking in the on the platform. There's a little there's a little um, bar in the platform at Doncaster Station. It's a very, very good little bar as well. So check that out. We'll be checking that out as well. We'll be going into town. We'll be hopefully checking out John Sanders, going out for a little drink with him as well, uh, the Rotherham fan who's talking on this podcast. And uh, we're going to have a good day out. So fingers crossed we get the three points as well. But like I said, I'm Billy Grant. I'm here with Dave Lane. I'm here with the Liberal Nick and I'm here with Greville and we've had a very, very good week. But fingers crossed, we'll get three points, as we all say. Come on! Come on, you Come on, you
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.